Hey, before we begin today's show, whether you're working mom or dad, a truck driver, a teacher, a chef, uh, which I wish I was, but I'm not, um, we all hit the wall at some point during the day. For those of us covering the NBA, it was uh, about uh, 5 p.m. after the trade deadline. Um, or if you're at the All-Star break and you're a world-class basketball player and you need a little pick-me-up because you're supposed to be on vacation and instead you got to power through all these events at the All-Star break while your friends are in the Caribbean. That's why you should let a five-hour energy shot help you leap over that wall instead of crashing into it. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life with zero sugar, just four calories, and a convenient portable size. It's the perfect pick-me-up for a busy, hardworking person. And now it comes in two great extra-strength tropical tastes. Who doesn't want extra strength? We all want extra strength. Strawberry, banana, and tropical burst. They're delicious, and they can take you to a tropical on-the-go experience. Try them both, then go online to shop the number five ourenergy.com. That's the number five ourenergy.com and use the code hoop to get a one time offer of 10% off your order. That's the number five ourenergy.com code hoop, H O O P. Go to shop five ourenergy.com and use the code H O O P and receive that 10% off. Five hour energy, energy on the go. And speaking of energy on the go, our man Adrian Wojnarowski is full of energy all the time, no matter where or when he is breaking all the latest NBA news. If you want to hear Woj talk about that or listen to any of his interviews with some of the biggest names in basketball, remember, you can subscribe and listen to the Woj Pod right here or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA uh, a team, a little bit different uh, timing because we were all thrown off by the trade deadline. So, whatever, different timing. We have the A team. Jackie McMullen is joining us from Philadelphia, where she attended the Sixers Bulls game yesterday. Um, and Tim Ban McMahon joined us from is joining us, I should say, uh, from Houston, where he attended the Jazz Rockets game last night, which had one of the most exciting uh, finishes of an NBA game this season. Um, but Jackie, I mean, we'll start you understand with you. It. It, uh, hold on, my game had the headline to the almost every night something great in the NBA happens tweet. That's right. Hey, let's let let's let Big Tim go first, man. Go ahead, Tim. No, 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 because no, well, no, 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 please. Uh, no. I insist. I insist. Well, J- Jackie, uh, which was more intense, being at uh, Wells Fargo Arena or Center? I can't remember which it is. Uh, the booing for Jim Boylan, the Bulls coach calling a timeout down seven with, uh, <laughs> with yeah. the 10 seconds left, which is very, very Philly. Um, by the way, after they called the timeout, they took also one of the very worst Jim shots. Boylan. <laughs> one of the worst shots you'll ever see. Uh, Zach yep. Levine took All like true. a 30 footer contested. Or when the Philly fans booed Al Horford, which was more intense? So I've known Al Horford a long, long time. And, and Al is, let's start with this. I've been told Al is struggling through an Achilles injury. So he's not 100% right. They would do Al Horford a big favor if they sat him down and told everybody he was hurt. Because what I watched last night, he couldn't make a shot, guys. Could not make a shot. And he was over. And every time he missed, the booing got louder. And, you know, I, I was thinking about Al because I, Al left the Celtics in part because the offer from Philly was too good to pass up, but also because he was like, you know what, man, I got to win now. I'm running out of time. I, I got to be on a team that's going to win. And I got to get away from all this dysfunction in Boston. <laughs> and he went down to Philly to a room oh, full of dysfunction boy. that has more losses than the Boston Celtics do. So, but I, seriously, is, isn't Al Mr. Congeniality? Have you met anybody that's more well-liked and, and more even-keeled? And, and they were booing him. And, you know, he did something last night that, I don't know, it seems commonplace in the Sixers dressing room. Apparently no one stays around after the game to talk to the media. But Al had dressed and gone by the time we had a chance to even go in there after the podium press conference stuff. So, Jeez. you know, if the Sixers are Sixer fans, they can be brutal. And they were, they were raining down on Al last night. And, by the way, Joel Embiid, who actually had a pretty good game because they, fourth quarter, didn't have a good game, had a good fourth quarter, you know, second half. They established him in the post. Poor Luke Carnett was, Cornette was, needless to say, quite overmatched. So they, they slowed the game down and went into the post, which is, of course, favors Embiid as opposed to the up-tempo style, which is how Ben Simmons has been thriving. Uh, but at one point, he hit a, he hit a three, a long three, and uh, went shh. And then his lips, we all read lips these days. He, he said, told him shut to shut the, the front up. door. 
He did. He told him to shut the front door, and the question was, who was he talking about? I mean, I think it's the fans. Oh, so, I think it was the fans for sure. And, yeah. you know, it's it's funny. Okay, 76ers fans, Philly sports fans in general, if we're being polite, they're passionate, but nobody there is polite. So let's just say they're a bunch of asses. I mean, they are the. it is a fair-weather town, big time. And they, those Sixers... I don't know. They've got one of the best home records in the league. I think the Mavericks were the first no, they've uh, got team the best to beat. Home record. Is it still the best? Okay. Yeah, they've only lost okay. two the, games at home. Only lost two at so home. So the Mavericks were the first ones to beat them at home. I was at that game. Sixers fans booed during that game. They hadn't yeah. seen a home loss all year, and they were booing the Sixers during that game. They're a bunch of fairweather fans. Having said that. Boy, it's spoken like a guy who's not going to Philly anytime soon. No, I pissed Tim, the Sixers I... fans off a couple of years ago by making a booing Santa joke when they were booing Donovan Mitchell. I said he's something like he's the nicest guy they've booed since Santa Claus, and boy, Sixers fans got mad. We didn't boo Santa Claus ever, or whatever. Well, I think <laughs> what it is, is there's, like there's just one. great disappointment here because they thought they were going to be contending, and they've just struggled mightily. They do very well at home, but, you know, we know about we, their, their road woes are well-documented. It's still not clear. It's February. What is it today? February 10th or something like that? The 11th. Mm-hmm. I don't know. lost track. But we don't know yet what their rotation is necessarily. They've just added two pieces. Glenn Robinson the third played last night. Alec Burks came in on a red eye, so they decided to sit him. That doesn't Don't read into that. I think he is going to be part of what they do. But are they this up-tempo, spread-the-floor team that Ben Simmons is in charge of, or are they the half-court, pounded-into-the-post and occasionally take a three that I would rather not have him take and bead team. And I think maybe the, the hope is they can be both. And yeah, uh, it's, the hope is they can blend those styles, but let's right. be honest, we all have our doubts. And, and I would, I would argue that maybe being booed at home as fair weather and kind of pathetic as I think it is, maybe that's the best thing that can happen to this team because if they can kind of get this us against the world, including our fans, type of mentality, maybe they'll stop bickering with each other. Well, you know what? It just, there's a malaise. It, you can feel it. And, you know, um, if it, at this moment, because Laurie Markinen is out and Chris Dunn is out and Wendell Carter is out, uh, you know, the Bulls, Chicago Bulls are kind of like the perfect cure for what ails you. And now I guess I'll have all the Chicago fans on me, but they're just missing no, a no, ton they, of players. The Chicago fans you know, know exactly what's going on with that team. That's right. That's right. And so, you know, if they were playing a better team last night, they easily could have lost this game because they had a, you know, they had a halftime lead. They blew it out a little bit. And then Zach Levine, you know, went on a, on a flurry as he can of, of hitting some threes. And, uh, and all of a sudden they're down. And that, that's when the, you know, the fans started booing that as well. And Brett Brown looks like a guy who hasn't slept in weeks. Although I did talk to him quickly and he said, don't worry about me. He's been down this road before. He's been around a long time, but he's definitely on the hot seat. And, Elton Brand's vote of confidence, my goodness. I hope to God I never get one from ESPN like that. Yeah, that, um, you know, here's the thing. Brett Brown is a veteran. He's been around a long time. But three different times this year, he's openly admitted, um, yeah, I'm just not able to get through to these guys. He talked about it when he can't figure out how to get him to win um, on the road, why he can't get him to have the same intensity on the road. He talked about it when trying to get uh, ben Simmons to shoot uh, three pointers, um, where he just you know he had sort of issued a challenge. And he wanted him to try to make at least one a game, and then he, Ben heard him say that, and then <clears throat> literally didn't take a three for three weeks, didn't even attempt one. I don't. And there was one other time, like yeah, I don't maybe think not one since then. Yeah, I'm not. Sure uh, and there was that. one other time I can't remember now off the top of my head, but like where he's basically been like, well, I tried, I just can't get through. Um, that's worrisome to hear from a coach. Well, uh, it happens. It's, it's, it's real. After the, uh, he ripped him after a, a loss to the Magic, and then they they went and lost like the next three or four games because I saw him in Houston at the tail end of that thing, and he was like Mr. Pollyanna and pumping sunshine because ripping him out for, for you know bad effort against the Magic had a, an even worse effect. Right. Brett takes responsibility for that as a coach you you know it's part of your job to get through them but at what point do we also look at these players and say who is the leader of this team and from what i can gather spending a little time here josh richardson is the one that's getting you know Embiid and simmons together and saying Mm -hmm. look you two figure it out because the rest of us aren't as good as you two 
So it's up and to you to look. On, yeah, yeah, we're we're looking to you guys. So one of you emerge, and I, I did notice it wasn't the game last night; it was the game previous to that when they had called a timeout and Brett, had, you know, was was exhorting them to play harder, to play better. After they broke from that, Ben Simmons and I've never seen Simmons do this, calling them back together, kind of corralling them back in and trying to be that voice. Now, what I don't know is if he's the voice they are going to listen to because they. You know, Embiid has been the de facto leader of this team since he got there, in essence. And and Embiid was the first to admit last night, I'm not playing well. I still am not 100% sure. I'm trying to adapt to the way we're playing. So, you know, a win over the Chicago Bulls doesn't solve a whole lot for this team. Well, and, well Embiid's body language and, and kind of just his pouty demeanor is, is part of the issue there. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. He's, I don't think he's healthy. I've said that a thousand times. I'll say it a thousand more. Uh, and I don't think it's just a hand. I think he's dinged up. I think Al's dinged up. And I, I think like most teams, and you guys know this, I've, every coach and GM I've talked to in the last week, in fact, mm-hmm. even a scout that I talked to last night, they're all saying the same thing. Oh, good Lord, just get us to the All-Star break. It's, this is, these are the true dog days of the NBA, and these players are dragging, they're dinged up, the coaches are frustrated and tired, everybody needs a break. And guess what? Joel Embiid isn't going to get one, because he'll be going to Chicago. Well, they are in fifth place right now. They're only in fifth because the Pacers have lost five in a row. Yeah. As a quick yep. aside, Victor Oladipo is shooting 28%. Since he came back, I mean, you know, I'm not like raising a red flag here, but um, they've gone one and five. Uh, he skipped one of the games. Uh, it was a back-to-back, but um, that's another topic. Um, Jackie, there's 28 games to go, and your point right. about them, everybody everybody needing a, a break is absolutely true. I feel like um, even when I watched LeBron on Saturday night, as great as he's been this season, I felt like... Uh, his legs looked a little bit tired in that game, uh, even though they won. He just he didn't have the spring in that game. I was like, that guy looks like he could use some days off. Um, I think you're also right. Not but there's 20. Get any. He's not right. going to get but any either, Brian. You know? Yeah, he'll get. But you know, give LeBron two, give LeBron 72 hours with no games, you'll be right. you'll see a, a, a bounce back. Um, sure. uh, but it's 28 games left. You know, they are. They're they're two years behind Miami, who I don't you know Miami's dinged up right now because Jimmy's out, but he'll be back soon enough. I see Miami taking off. I don't see them slowing down. Uh, that's they're two games back of the of the last home playoff seed. Um, right. They get they get uh, they don't get home co- home court in the first round, and they have to play the Heat. You know they've had some success against the Celtics. If the Heat pass the Celtics, but they're three games back of them right now. Right. You know, if they play the Heat in the first round without home court, by the way, the Heat are the second best team in the league at home, just yes. absolutely obliterated the Sixers uh, on their home floor you know, in Miami last week. Uh, I don't feel great about the Sixers getting out of the first round. And can you imagine if that happens? Uh, long way to go. Uh, not ready to say that or anything, but um, that's on the table. As we watch Wendy, this going on, you, you're, you're dancing around, not making a prediction. Let's. I'll do it for you. The Sixers are a one and done playoff team. Not the Sixers, who a lot of people thought, uh, it's a prediction, not a guarantee. Stop being a wuss. A lot of people Ooh. thought they were the best team in the Eastern Conference coming into the season. They're, if they're a one and done playoff team, which looks pretty likely, massive changes are coming. Maybe that's Brett Brown. Probably it is. Maybe it's trading either Simmons or Embiid. Probably that happens. I mean, the, the, the Sixers next season are going to look completely different unless they get things figured out and get under a serious role. And, well, and Jackie, you, you yeah. wonder if Elton Brand could also be in trouble because we can talk about Brett Brown all you want. Brett Brown is dealing with a severe, uh, you know, he, he's got puzzle pieces that don't fit. And, and, got, and, it reminds me of the Celtics NBA, last year. It just doesn't fit. But Jackie, you, when they're booing, when they're booing, yeah. Right, Al Horford. They're not just yeah, booing Al Horford. They're booing the fact that the Jimmy decisions. Butler... Right. Yeah, and Isn't the decisions right? they made. So, guys, just to put this in perspective for you, do you realize that the Philadelphia 76ers have the same road record as the New York Knicks? Oh. Chew on that for a minute. Oh. 
Hey, go. I did see one of the uh, I did see one of the Knicks road wins in Dallas. There you go. <laughs> That's right. They own the, the Mavericks. That's right. Jackie, yeah, I'm going to have to. Be inter- yeah, that would be interesting. That's to a, see that was a devastating stat that you just gave. Well, let me drop the mic truth. and we can move. We can move on to the next if you like. Let me just say two things. One, one of the things I've learned in the NBA, covering it for almost two decades now, is that there's always time. Um, it's one of the, my corollaries, one of my iron truths of the NBA is that games are really mm-hmm. long, seasons are really long, playoff series are really long. The Sixers, if you're good enough to be 24-2 and two at home and beat all the top teams in the league who've come through there, okay, not the Mavericks, but they pounded teams on their home floor. If you have that, that ability... the Mavericks without Luka, by the way. Okay, fair. You have the ability to carry that on the road. It's in there. Now, am I wagering that they're going to take it on the road into the playoffs? No, but it's in there. Second thing I'm going to say is, because your point about trading Embiid, I got league executives talking to me You know, as, you know, as we go through this hours and hours and hours that I spend on the phone in and around the deadline, even after mm-hmm. the deadline. Some of the worst for me is like the three days of debriefing calls that I <laughs> that these guys... I mean, I am very appreciative. I mean, I do it, but... I was on the phone till almost midnight Pacific time after the deadline uh, talking to people. But anyway, one of the conversations that people are starting to have in the league is, will they move Embiid? What's the price? Where would he go? I'm not going to get into that, but my point is that people are talking about that. I don't think that they would do that without making an adjustment to the head coach. It's such a radical thing. But the fact Mm -hmm. that we are in mid-February and the people who work in the league – who have to prepare in advance, are mulling over Joel Embiid potentially coming to market, whether that's true or not. I mean, you know, Josh Harris can come on this podcast and deny it if he wants. But the fact that people are talking about it is not good. It's a symptom of where they are. Hey, to get fit in 2020, you don't have to join the gym or pay a ton for overpriced fitness equipment. The best way to get in the best shape of your life is with Echelon. Go to echelonfit.com to discover their EX1 connected fitness bikes that offer high-quality at-home cycling experiences at less than half the price of Peloton. Echelon makes a beautifully engineered product for everyone, especially busy moms and dads, first responders and elite athletes, whatever your activity level. And with the daily live on-demand studio classes right in your home, you'll never have to step foot in a gym. Join hundreds of thousands of men and women who are getting fit with Echelon. You'll love Echelon. But if you aren't 100% satisfied, they'll give you your money back. Don't pay a ton for Peloton. Buy Echelon today for under 1000 bucks. Go to echelonfit.com slash hoop to learn about their limited time free Apple iPad offer and complete details. Echelon, it's your time. That's Echelon, E-C-H-E-L-O-N, fit.com slash hoop. Echelonfit.com slash hoop. McMahon, you had a very interesting game. One of the best uh, games I've seen in the uh, league this year. Terrific game with the Jazz last night. Talk about, before we get into what the Rockets are doing, the, th- the, the shot that Boyan hit, Boyan Bogdanovich hit to win the game. First off, it was as impressive as a defensive. Uh, they shut, they, yeah. they took away the first three options. And then even when it went to the fourth option, which I'm pretty sure he was, no, they double teamed him. He was actually, he was actually the first option. But wow, like the play was designed with him in mind. There were a couple options before him, but the thought was that action. Obviously, if it's open, you hit it. But those actions are kind of, you know, is the play action, so to speak, and it okay. opens it up for for Boyan. But to your point, the Rockets played it perfectly. They they switch everything, you know, go, leading up to that. Uh, Gobert didn't get a screen on Tucker. He tried to slip it. Um, and, you know, Tuck is right on Bogdanovich when he, when he, uh, when he catches the ball. I mean, he could not have been closer when, when Bogdanovich was ready to shoot. Harden immediately double teams. They, they might have fouled him. I mean, they absolutely were sandwiching him. They, you know, it, they were either inches away from him or there was contact. And he just goes up in between them. No space at all, and nails a twenty-nine footer when the dude was one of six and absolutely awful in the game up to that point. 
It was a great shot. I, you know, I didn't see the, obviously I was at a game, so I wasn't able to watch most of this live. But when I saw the replay, I was like, well, there's no way that, like when they inbounded to him, I'm thinking there's no way that shot's going in. I mean, they really, right. like, that was just, it was just incredible. And what about Jordan it's, Clarkson? It's, My goodness. Can we talk uh, about oh, Jordan Clarkson? Boy. Yeah, Jordan Clarkson kept him. He, he got him back in that game. You can say kept him in that game. And he had a stretch where he had 18 points in 12 minutes between the, the third and fourth quarter. And, I mean, he has been really, really good for Utah because their bench was terrible before he right. got there. And but they've made some funny? other changes, but he's been he's been a big-time bucket getter for them. But And, and doesn't this, like, we, we have coaches tell us this all the time, and, and Steve Kerr went to it to explain why they took on Andrew Wiggins, that in this league, unless you're a superstar where you can fit anywhere, the league is all about fit. It's mm-hmm. all about fit. And if Jordan Clarkson isn't the poster boy for that at this moment, I don't know who is. So here's Jordan Clarkson's stats with the Cavs this year. 23 minutes a game. 44% shooting, 14.6 uh, points in those uh, in those mm-hmm. 25, 23 minutes. Minutes with Utah, 23 minutes, 46% shooting, 14.9 points per game. Essentially, with, with a couple extra minutes a game and a couple more percentage shooting, essentially he's, he's the exact same player in Utah as he was in Cleveland. But what he brings except, to Utah... Yeah, except... Right. I'm just I'm just right. pointing out like that's just like it's not like Clarkson's playing over his head. No, the, no, no, the Jazz no. needed this player. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. what I'm saying too. Same thing. I mean, and you know, Cleveland they've got a whole different thing, whole different jam going on there. And and, and 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 just think about just like um, the emancipation of Jordan Clarkson. You go from Cleveland to where it's dreary, man. And and you go to a, an organization like You don't the Utah you think Jazz it's dreary? Or, they they lost by in the, in their first game. Uh, with Andre Drummond, they had a record-setting home loss. You think it's dreary? Yeah, they lost by forty-one. Well, because oh, okay. you have now you have two guys that really don't want to be there, and you're, they're your veterans, and they're supposed to be holding up the young guys, and that's at, Kevin at Love and two. Tristan Thompson. <laughs> well, I mean, those two are pretty two prominent players. Guys, so. Yeah, yeah, very important guys that that were hoping to get moved and didn't. And now, of course, Tristan Thompson could have gotten bought out if we understand it correctly, Brian, right? And yeah. chose not to, which yeah. uh, maintains I mean, his bird uh, rights. So I have a question about this with the bird rights. And I understand that, you know, for our listeners, most of them would know this, that you maintain your bird rights. So now you can re-sign and you can make more money and it's easier off on the cap and all of that. But how much is Tristan Thompson worth to another team? Is it really that significant? That's my question. You know well, what I mean? Are the I've bird gone, rights that expensive? Like, are they that important to him? I've gone really in depth on this, as you can imagine. Um, yes, I, I ask. So he's not going to resign with the. I mean, you know, everything well, changes yeah. always. Time, right? You know, he had contract negotiation talks with the Cavs. Um, they collapsed. They were nowhere. They had, to say they had no traction is an understatement. They, they got nowhere with them. So it became clear he was not going to remain with the Cavs. The Cavs tried to trade him. There was like seven centers traded. Uh, Tristan Thompson was not one of them. Uh, most likely because he makes $18 million because mm-hmm. it's hard to trade a center like that. Uh, although Andre Drummond got traded for... I was going to say. Um, yeah, but he got traded to the team that has Tristan Thompson. Right. I know. Yeah, not I only know. was he not traded, but they traded the guy to start ahead of him. So huh. now for way, the way it is explained to me is that there is, there is still a desire for Tristan to use his bird rights with the Cavs in a sign-and-trade. In other words, mm-hmm. the Cavs would sign-and-trade right. him somewhere for more because really what this is a this is a question of is you know if Tristan walks away as a free agent the mid-level is about eight and eight or nine million I can't remember what it is um you know without much cap space out there that's what Tristan is going to try to get um can he get more than that uh through some sign and trade you know you only need one team and I can just tell you that at Clutch Sports where Tristan is one of their first clients uh they believe it just takes one team and they've had victories and defeats on this over the years. But um, the thing about a sign and trade, which I don't want to get too far off of our topic because I do want to talk about the Rockets, but if you do a sign and trade, if you go talk to the Miami Heat or you go talk to the Golden State Warriors or, or there's another team I think who did it, if you do a sign and trade and receive a player, you become hard capped. And it really affects what you can do the rest of the season. So in addition to right. Tristan having to find – a team that wants to pay him more than eight or nine million—that is the going rate of the mid-level. Mm-hmm. 
he's got to find a team that's willing to give up some of its flexibility to bring him in. And frankly, he's a role player, and some would debate whether he's a starting center, you know, long term. There are still teams out there that are working on him, you know, that want him to reconsider because the buyout deadline isn't until March 1st. Right. And they want him to reconsider. And, you know, he's going to go off to wherever he's going to spend his uh, all-star break. He has a house in Los Angeles. He has uh, a daughter in Los Angeles, which is uh, a mildly famous scenario that I won't go into. Um, that I, He probably will go to Los Angeles. But wherever he's going to be away from the team, he's going to probably be pitched on, will you please give this up? You've made $90 million. Yeah. Go try to win another ring. Um, uh, knowing the the clutch sports operation, they do not get talked into just about anything. So I wouldn't right. bet on it, but there is time left. One other thing I'm going to say, though, and Jackie, you can you can maintain this. The team that I think is super interested in Tristan would be the Celtics if he gets Celtics, out. Celtics, yeah, absolutely. But let's keep in mind that one of Tristan's closest friends in the world is LeBron James. And let's just say I don't think you'll hear LeBron – advising anyone to go to Boston for anything. That said, you know, he's his own man, but uh, uh, I don't think it's going to come to that. I, th- I, I think I just, they're going to be yeah, stand fast on this. And I appreciate this because I, I just, to me, I'm looking at the market for Tristan Thompson, not right now in the buyout situation where we're in February and teams are loading up for the playoffs, but going forward, you know, and Clutch Sports is right, it does only take one team. But I guess what my question would be is it may be a team that isn't that good, that has a lot of cap room, where isn't it's how much different will it be from Cleveland? So I'm just curious what you know, I don't know Tristan as well as you do, what his mindset would be in that regard. So I don't either. All right, McMahon to get back to the Rockets. Um Yeah. So last night, obviously Bogdanovich is buzzer beater steals a show, but the really fascinating plot during the game was the Jazz, who obviously rely heavily on a traditional big and Rudy Gobert, adjusting to the Rockets playing small ball and the chess match there. And what they came up with, and I'm very curious to see if this is uh, a, a game plan that, that other teams follow, is Rudy Gobert guards Russell Westbrook. And it makes sense because you know Russ is trying to get to the rim. If he wants to take threes and mid-range jumpers, you send him an invitation and, you know, roll out the red carpet for that. And if you, if Gobert is guarding anybody else, he's getting dragged way out of the paint. If he's guarding PJ Tucker, it's corner threes. Every time he helps, they're going to find PJ in the corner for threes. Um, you know, Covington, I mean, whoever else you want, it's going to be, he's, they're going to be launching threes. And so, that that was fascinating, and and you know, Dan Tony was asked, "Hey, do you think other teams will try that?" And he was, "Well, I hope so." Russ had thirty nine points, <laughs> um, but I think that the Jazz, you know, they felt like there's some things they could have done better. Uh, there were times that Russ was able to finish over Gobert, including one spectacular dunk early in the in the second half. But you know, I think all things considered, thirty nine points and thirty three shots, only four assists. You know, they'll take that. They'll take only Russ taking threes, thirty-three right, shots, Tim? and he only took two threes, too, right, Tim? Yeah, and that, and honestly, yeah. two is a lot for him now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's know, a lot right? of games where it's zero, um, and he did in in the first quarter. He hit a corner three, and then he hit a couple mid-range uh, jumpers. But again, you you're going to play the percentages on those every single time. But I think that if your center isn't guarding Russ and isn't sagging off him and kind of clogging up the the lane and daring him to take those jump shots. I don't think you can play a center against the. Uh, I don't. I don't think you can play a center against the Rockets. And and here's and look. You when Russ gets in out in transition and gets in that other gear. It's funny we're talking about the dog days and guys need a break. Da, da, da. Well, Russ he doesn't play back to backs and so he's off his feet some. But boy, <laughs> he doesn't look like a dude who needs a break. I mean, he is looking as. Fast and explosive as he looks as very ever. comfortable in this new alignment. He looks as, this, as good this, as he has. And the whole the whole point of trading Clint Capella was to maximize Russell Westbrook, just because having two non shooters on the floor with James Harden and in that system, it, it was clunky. It didn't, you know, it, it, all the analytics backed up 
the Rock's decision in a in a small w- window of this season right now, they were better with Capella off the floor than with him on the floor. Right. Now, yeah. and and I'll tell you, them the big question is okay. So how do they fare against some of these some of these monsters down low? How do they fare against Anthony Davis? And the answer was, well, Davis is going to get a bunch of buckets. But the Rockets are going to force a bunch of turnovers when the Lakers are trying to force feed them the ball down there. And, you know, if they're knocking down their threes, they're going to be really tough. And if you'll notice, in that Lakers game, the Lakers adjusted to the Rockets, not the other way around. The Lakers centers, Dwight Howard and and JaVale McGee, combined to play 20 minutes in those games. Now, maybe that's going to be different next time. Maybe they'll, they'll take a page out of the Jazz playbook and have those guys guarding Russ. Down the stretch, Anthony Davis was playing center, and the Rockets, I think, went on a 16-3 run to end the game. So they're all in on this. Analytically, it makes sense. My big question is, if they run into Denver, can Jokic make them really pay for the decision to get rid of, of a, one of the few centers who really gave him some problems? Yeah, he that might be the one team. And Jokic, because he's so versatile, too, in the way that he can play the game. Because he can play inside out. And also with the pick and roll with him and Murray, sometimes he's the picker, sometimes he's the roller, right? So mm-hmm. Jokic is a wild card for all big men, I think, anyway, just in general, don't you? Oh, for sure. I mean, he's, he's the best big in the McMahon, league right now. I mean, he's given big, Gobert the business twice recently. I have two questions. Because you've been, you know, we've been talking mm-hmm. about how banged up P.J. Tucker has been. You've been talking to us about that for weeks now. My first question is, can P.J. Tucker hold up under this demand. And my second question is, why, according to Woj, did they almost trade for your buddy DeAndre Jordan? You know, uh, if this I've is the got, route they're going. Do you, want, do you want my conspiracy theory on the DeAndre Jordan thing? I love conspiracy theories. So okay. do I. Pure speculation and conspiracy theory here, okay? I.e., don't aggregate this. It is not reporting. I think that they make the offer for DeAndre Jordan, knowing damn well that the Nets aren't going to trade him and piss off Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And that way you could say, hey, we were willing to pay the luxury tax. We tried to make this trade. Mm. Right. Let, let me give you the background real, real quick. What happened was they did the four-team trade in principle, and that trade took them $6 million from over the tax to six million under the, is it five or six million under the tax? Yeah, but right, right, right in that range. And they had a little window where they could have expanded the trade and taken on up to twelve million dollars. Yes. So Which, DeAndre Jordan makes ten. So yeah. if they 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 would have been able to now they would have had to pay something to get DeAndre Jordan, but they would have been able to move him in. But it would have taken them above the tax. Which yeah, I, I think that's one of those offers money. that's made to leak but not ever expecting the Nets to actually take it because of the internal dynamics that no, we all you're, understand you're, there. You're, you're dead on, Tim. There's no way they could have traded DeAndre Jordan. And they said and, no. Right, you and know, of course they said no. And, and you and, know, I still wonder with that with DeAndre Jordan there, and he's, you know, he's, I know, Tim, he's not your favorite dude, but he has been a very aff- affable guy in that locker room. He's very popular among the players. He's been a good soldier, doesn't complain about time or minutes or anything. But I do wonder... If it makes Jared Allen look over his shoulder, who's one of the best young players yeah. in their nucleus, I, you know that so, was always so the issue of bringing in and Jordan. absolutely Jackie. And and it's let's him. be honest, if they bring in DeAndre Jordan, he's probably going to be DNPCD a lot of nights because they are fully committed, clearly to small ball. And how's that? Come on? I mean, come well, on. what happens if PJ Tucker can't hold up? So that's that's, that, that's one reason why getting Covington was so important. That's that's why they felt like giving up Capella, who in my opinion, was the best player in that trade, plus a first-round pick, was worth it because they are all in on this small window, and boy, will they be bad in 2023, 20, 24, 25, all that. No, but is, that's, isn't that what a problem Sam Presti wagered? Isn't that what Sam Presti wagered? Exactly. Boy, sure let me tell you, is. Sam Presti sure loved is. him giving up another first-round pick. Like, yep, keep getting worse yeah. for the future. So let um, me ask you this. But, but getting ask, Covington yeah. gives him another super switchy guy who – can play up a position, and and honestly, right. Tuck plays the five a lot. James mm-hmm. Harden plays the five a lot defensively, and they switch everything. But that yes. plays to Harden's strengths defensively. He's a he's a really good post defender, and and you know, and and they are active. You know, again, so they're. L- let me ask you something. Uh, they lose rebounding and win turnover battle. 
how does James Harden feel about two consecutive years, the Rockets using assets at the deadline to get under the tax? Uh, you know what? I, I'm going to say, okay, first of all, I've, I've never gotten a, a clear answer from that on him, and I, I'm not even sure if I've asked that direct question. But I am going to, I'm not going to say defend Fertitta in this case, but I will say this. They would have found a way to get under the tax. They'd pay somebody to take Nene or Gerald Green or whatever. They would have found a way to get under the tax. There's no question about that. I don't think that that was in any way a primary motivation for this trade. This was a trade Mike D'Antoni wanted. He wanted to go all in on small ball. This was a trade Daryl right, Morey. Right, but hold, hold on, hold on. But they could have acquired another player in this deal and been a tax team. And if they come up, or they could have acquired. Short, hey, look, they could have acquired another player in the in the you know five point whatever million dollar range and still been a non tax team. And right. so you know, it's just a unique situation, Houston, to me, because D'Antoni doesn't have a contract after this year. We've all right. heard the same rumblings that maybe Daryl Morey at some point is going to move on mm-hmm. from this team. And so everybody's in win now. And every Players, time they trade coaches, a first-round pick, it makes you think that a little bit more. Exactly. So you have an owner that I think is, you know, compared to Les Alexander, everybody's longing for the wonderful Les Alexander, right? I think that's pretty obvious. And so you're, you've got everybody in win-now mode. You got, And that's unusual. Coach, GM, players, they're all feeling the same way. That's an unusual scenario, I think. If an owner doesn't want to pay the tax, fine. You know, I mean, the tax is there for a reason. They put it in under David Stern because David Stern was trying to protect the owners from themselves. He always used to advise owners on thinking chasing that one last player, you know, can be a terrible mistake. Fine. If the owner doesn't want to pay the tax, I'm not going to criticize that guy. But don't come out and say that year after year that, you know, that money is no issue and and be angry when people bring up the spending issue and then act like money is an issue. That's all. And when you've got James Harden in his prime, I know that LeBron James, when he was in his prime and saw the Miami Heat making moves to save tax money, it pissed him off. And that's yeah, why but it was he, his yeah. fault. But it was his fault, Brian, because they all insisted on that fourth year. That was his fault. Shenanigans. He doesn't. Shenanigans. They never. They never look at it that way. They never look at it. But they should have. They all had a choice to make when they all signed together, That the the Heatles. And they had the last minute, and you know this, I'm not telling anything you don't know. They added that extra year on, and Riley said, don't start complaining to me when I have to nickel and dime and I don't have enough room under the cap to add good players because you guys are doing this. Well, but the comeback on that, Jackie, is that they all took less than the max. So they could have had, you know, there was was a give and take. But whatever, however you want to say... LeBron was pissed off, and when he went back to Cleveland, every team that he that he that they talked to, he said, "Are you going to pay the tax? Are you going to pay the tax?" I'm not saying that the Heat screwed up. I'm just saying it pissed LeBron off. That's why I want to know how James Harden. Yeah, and, and, and the Rockets. You know, last year it was, "Hey, you know, we tried to get Wesley Matthews. He chose to go to the Pacers for a starting job. This year's, whoa, hey, try to trade for DeAndre Jordan." And so they always kind of have that, yeah, but or or last year tried to trade for Jimmy Butler, which is. You know, which is true. And so, you know, whatever. But I, the, the Rockets are, I think they're the most, and first of all, like, can people stop complaining about the Rockets not being fun to watch now that they're one of the fastest Oh, they're fun to watch. The yeah. This is, now that this they're playing is small I ball. Fun. I mean, this, now that it's this crazy, fascinating experience. Now that you've got Dan Tony, maybe, you know, probably in the last month of his tenure there, basically going guns a blazing. And, and you know his thing is, hey, I wish I'd have gone all in in Phoenix. We we didn't take enough threes. People were criticizing us. Now it's just like, bleep it. You know we're we're going all in. You know doing playing the way I think is best for this team, and it's it's fascinating. And they're you know they'll they'll they're looking to be in the buyout market for sure. Um, it was interesting. There's not much Epi of a buyout Udo market. was at the game last night. Epi Udo, who is a very switchable big man, played in China this year. Now, he was there palling around with his former Jazz teammates, and I did talk to him briefly afterwards, and, you know, he's like, oh, you know, I don't know, Houston? Like, wow, that would be interesting, huh? Um, the China League, by the way, the, the guys over in China, it's a, it's a crazy situation, obviously, with the coronavirus. They sent everybody home 
and they're talking about relaunching the league April 1st. And, you know, all the American guys are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Some yeah, of us would right. like to latch on with NBA teams, can you know, and so there's some of that yeah, going on. That's very but, interesting. But, uh, but um, they'll be active yeah, I, in the buyout market, international players, you know, guys who get bought out. But they're not going – Mike D'Antoni said it several times. They're not blinking. And so far, the teams they've played uh, – the Jazz didn't blink last night. They played big with Gobert. They blinked with the second unit, but not with Gobert. The Lakers blinked. That was Houston's first game out of the gate. I don't know. Like, they had the no, advantage it wasn't. a little they, bit in No, that it game. wasn't. It was their first game with Covington. They 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 were four and playing, you know, six, seven, and less. Right. Uh, yeah, that's that. true. That's fair. That's but, fair. But that's to fair to your point, um, I and I I wonder a little bit about this. And first of all, throw out the back to back against the Suns where they got blown out. It's a back to back. They're coming off the one over the Rust didn't Rust play. play. Like whatever. Yeah, that's irrelevant. Yeah. The, the last night was fascinating because it was the first team that had seen them twice playing small ball and kind of really had and the first time they saw him Russ and Harden didn't even play Gordon scores 50 they they beat the Jazz at home and sent the Jazz into a little five game funk but I wonder if this is kind of like remember when the Dolphins first started running the Wildcat yeah yeah and nobody knew what to do with it right but yeah, they beat the then Patriots. the more people see it the less complicated it, you know the the less it, it's not. Well, it's also relevant because game right now, Jazz Rockets would be a first round series. Yeah, um, a, but again, yeah. I mean, my instinct from just being a basketball person for a while is that it's a junk offense, and that over the course of a playoff series, a team would figure it out. But that said, I I've never seen a team go fully all in on that. So. I think it's more of a junk defense because they do have to junk it up defensively to match their size. They do have to be really, really active. And, you know, and Harden has to be super active. Russ has to be super active. I'll tell you what, though, man. Harden last night I thought was pretty – maybe he faded in the second half, and and certainly the Rockets as a whole did defensively. But first half, Harden was all over the place defensively. Um, All right, before we have to go, I want to talk about this uh, Wiggins – D'Angelo Russell trade um, because I was stunned when they did it. You know, Jackie was was with me. I, we were on air when the trade came yeah, down. We were, um, and I had said I appreciate the day before. That. I had said the day before that I think the Golden State. Am I? The, I said, am I the last person in the NBA that thinks a change of scenery will help Andrew Wiggins? And I just wanted to hug Steve Kerr and Bob Myers for trading for him because I got I got yeah. shouted down immediately. Anyway, well, um, I was reacting to it in real time, and I've now had a few days to talk to people and think about this. Well, what I didn't understand is if you're if you're tallying up a bill, let's say you have your bill over here, uh, moving off Andrew Wiggins just because it's a top five worst contract in the league, regardless of what you think of him as a player, his contract is his contract. I think it's a first round pick plus another asset. So let's just put that on the bill: first round pick plus another asset. Now, D'Angelo Russell. I think he's a quality player. He's on a long-term contract. I think he's a first-round pick plus another asset to to, uh, to 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 acquire. So in my mind, I'm looking at the Timberwolves' bill here, and I'm thinking there ought to be two first-round picks plus at least one other asset, maybe two, to execute that transaction. Because not only do they get this player they've coveted for months, but they get off Andrew Wiggins. And I thought getting only one first-round pick, which was not even this year, and I know you can go on and on and on about how the 2021 draft is better. This year, the Timberwolves right. are going to m- most likely have a top-five pick. I don't right. care who you are. I want, I want the top-five pick now. Um, and I really, really thought that the Warriors didn't do a great job there. But in the days since then, Jackie, I've been studying this and learning about this and trying to understand it. And there's two things that I came to an understanding about. One is the asset that came back to the Warriors in this deal, or one of the assets, was getting under the tax, right. which mm-hmm. Joe Lacob, and he gave an interview to The Athletic, and he made it clear, with where their money is going to be next year, he's expecting it to be over $200 million, including tax, when the Draymond Green extension kicks in and what they do this summer. Getting out of the tax for this year and, and avoiding the repeater next year, he felt was as good as getting a first-round pick. That's number one. That. Secondly, I don't think the market for D'Angelo Russell. I don't. Th- I think the Warriors and Steve Kerr pretty much said this was a bad fit from the start. Jackie, I don't think the Warriors felt that 
D'Angelo Russell. I think they realized that they made an error and that D'Angelo Russell may end up being a bad contract. And so regardless, they may have acquired a bad contract in Wiggins, but I think they think that they couldn't have moved D'Angelo Russell for anything because of his contract, and that's why they did the deal the way they did it. I don't know how well, you feel I think, about that. But. No, I do, and I thought what Steve, I was so surprised how blunt Steve Kerr was about mm-hmm. the fact that he wasn't a fit there. That just sort of should have rang off all sorts of bells. And in, in the wake of these deals, that's when everyone tells you the truth, right, Brian? So I had the same, I had the same intel people telling me D'Angelo Russell was never going to work for them, all sorts of reasons why we don't need to break down here. And let's, so let's really look at it. If, you're, if you feel the need to A, get under the tax, which you can certainly understand because of the big money that's coming. And number two, you don't like the fit of the player and perhaps don't even really like the player. And I'm not talking about personally. If you can move on from it, you move on from it. And whether anybody else thinks you got enough money is irrelevant to you. If you got enough for it. By the way, I can hear I can hear the Rockets wanting, oh, you're praising the Warriors for getting under the tax. I'm not, no, no, I'm not praising them. I'm not praising them. I thought it was a bizarre trade. I still think it's a bizarre trade, and I'll throw a flag because I would say, why didn't you just keep Andre Iguodala and the two picks you traded? Yes, that, well, that's, to do that's that. it. It's, it's not even criticizing this trade. It's talking about why did you give up what you gave up to get Russell right. in the first place? I'll go well, so far as to question. say that I don't even that's think that the question. Warriors. I think three summers in a row, the Warriors have not had good summers. Two years ago, or three years ago, whatever it was, they signed Nick Young using their mid-level exception. That was a disaster. That was last year they decision, signed, wasn't it? Uh, well, whoever's decision it was, it's on their front office. Secondly, right. last year they signed DeMarcus Cousins, which was a huge risk. It ended up blowing up in their face. They should have used that money elsewhere. That was a mistake. And then this year, uh, why did they just hang on to Andre Iguodala oh, and their picks? Hold on. How did DeMarcus Cousins blow up in it their was face? Because he got hurt? That was a mis- it was a mistake it was from a the mistake. get-go. It was, it was a, mistake. a mistake from the get-go. So, and ah, then last was a year, risk worth taking. I'm not going to. They trade. Not rip them for that. They trade two picks and Andre Iguodala to, to do the Russell deal, which Steve Kerr clearly never supported. Okay, yeah. I'm just saying. Um, no, it's fair. Fair point. I, I've spent uh, a billion words on this podcast over the years praising the Warriors. Last three summers, I would not give them banner marks. Okay. No, the Russell thing saying. was strange from the start, you know, positionally, and then, you know, I guess he was just reading everything coming out of the, the people around that team on a regular basis. He was just so bad defensively that they felt like there's no way this guy can be part of a winning, of a championship caliber team here. Now, so let me, <laughs> no. well, so, I guess they feel like Wiggins has the tools, if, if he, although he's never shown it, so that'll be a fascinating experiment. Yeah, but you know what? So this is what I'll say about Andrew Wiggins. You know, everybody's ready to call him a dog. He's averaging like 22 points a game. You know, we can talk about, just look at his numbers, all right? And so what he is, is he's no longer lived up to the idea that he's a number one pick. We all agree on that. That's, that's stating the obvious. At some point, you have to move on from that thinking. The contract is bad. That's also true. All I'm saying is, he's only played for one franchise his entire career. And during that time, the franchise has been in constant chaos, chaos with coaches changing, GMs changing, you know, flip passing away, all the things that have happened in, during Minnesota. It was about as unstable as you could be. And so there's a lot of reasons why Minnesota hasn't succeeded. Is Andrew Wiggins part of that? You bet. Put him in an environment where he's around some veterans, and let's see. That's all I'm saying. How old is Andrew Wiggins? 24 years old? I don't think people think he's a dog player. I think people think it's a dog contract. That's what I think. Okay. Uh, I think Jimmy uh, Butler might have thought he was a dog player. Well, yeah, but Jimmy Butler's yeah. Jimmy Butler thinks a lot of guys are that way, and that's you know well, it's his he biggest strength that, and his he biggest weakness. He's, was, a, he's, he's thought the about cat was, and he's turning nah. he's turning twenty five at the end of the month. Okay, he so he's not. That, I'm just saying. I just think we have a tendency sometimes to give up on players and to label them a certain way. And, and that's, that's okay if, if players have had a bunch of chances at different places. But that's not true with Andrew Wiggins. So let's just see. And then, you know, I can come right. back two years from now and say, you guys were right. This was a bad idea. But well, let's right see. now, Wiggins is a guy who he has the ability to score. Right. And that's all he's shown that he has the ability to do. And that is, you know, the, the efficiency is erratic at best and, it is. you know, You're often right. poor. And, and so the there's talent there. 
but there's there, he's never proven that he can be a guy who contributes to winning. Okay, and but so that's because we'll nobody. See if the but but, but see that, that. Okay, but there's the thing. He's never proven he can contribute to winning. Has has Carl Anthony Towns proven that either? I would say no. Absolutely not. Right. So all I'm saying is sometimes when you put a player in a new environment on a team that has winning DNA mm. and has a structure that is effective, it changes things. That's all I'm saying. Okay, one more thing I want to say before we go. This interview that Joe Lacob gave to The Athletic, which he pretty much lays out the way he felt about this trade, and they're a little bit sensitive, the criticism that they've gotten for it, which I have been part of. He makes it clear that they're going to, the reason the way they didn't spend this year and the reason that they didn't take more back in this trade was to save tax money. Fine. I just want to point out that for next season, between Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, and Draymond Green, they have $125 million in salary. Okay? That's four players that are already over and, and, and approaching the tax at those four players. Okay? They have a $17 million trade exception that they got from the Andre Guadalla trade. This is their comeback when people like me criticize them for doing that deal. They say, well, you don't know what we actually got for that yet because we haven't done the $17 million. We haven't used that exception. And this is a good summer to have an exception because there's not a lot of cap space. All I'm going to say is now that you have made it clear through this interview um, that that, that you did it to save tax money to set up for next year, they better make a good deal with that. They better have a better summer in 2020 than they've had the last few times, or they won't be competing for a championship because they are paying a lot of money now to four players, and you need more. they're going to need more than that. So Well, um, and let's just remember, the, the worst summer ever is when you lose Kevin Durant. Let's not forget that. That's true, and they scrambled to try to not lose him for nothing. And I, I don't know if they didn't hurt themselves. Well, I think more. that's, I think that's where they ran into trouble. I think you've hit it on the head. So, thanks, Tim. Thanks, Jackie. Thanks, Troy, back in Bristol. Thanks to Andrew Hahn, who is thrilled about Parasite winning. Uh, thanks, for listening to Collective Podcast. We will talk to you later in the week. Mm-hmm.